0: God, did you hear? Have you I I the I I I I got to figure out if we can use it, if it's open, if it's uh if it's, you know, not not copyrighted in some way. There is a a very very good um like a jazz band version of the the international. It's like a like imagine like a like a zippy jazz tune. Really? But the internet... Oh, my God. It's so good. It's, I think it's by the Three Lennons... Um... Is the, the Three the is the name of the group. Three Is the name of the group that it's yeah, it's I'd have to I, I and now I desperately want I am, to I'm very glad too because you started saying copyrights and I was like, are they gonna copyright me shouting let welcome back to Marksman? No, yes, yes, no we guys uh, I don't know if you Disney know, would do that. Disney I don't know, would find our podcast once and find a way to I don't know that. if you know that uh that we have we have applied for IP for that now. This is ours. If you ever if you ever use that we will sue you into oblivion. <laughs> um this is happening, just deal with it. Um yes the young Lennon Trio, nineteen ninety seven recorded it it was uh Paul Kimbrell uploaded it apparently um they ran a recording studio from 97 to 98 he brought in a trio of jazz musicians in Halifax Nova Scotia that were known as the Young Lennon Trio they played exactly one gig together at a 1997 East Coast Music Awards um and and they got them in the studio to record a dozen tracks but one of them was this and uh and it is a it is just a jazzy awesome version of the of the international and it's fantastic so you should absolutely go find it if you can um it's good i'll link it down below but uh, i may use it as an intro or outro one of these days for for a very special episode time that would be cool that being said, hey guys, hey. Uh, it's the same week, so there's no corrections that need to be made. Nope. Um, no more no more new corrections this week. I'm sure we've said something wrong. I know we oh, did. We've we edited it out already, though. Fashion. We just don't know it yet. We don't know it yet. So wait wait a couple weeks. If uh, if we've said anything wrong in Chapters 6, 7, or 8, you will hear about it during Chapter 9. Uh, it's not that we don't care, it's that we just record them in batches. So deal with it. Chapter 7 imperialism as a special stage of capitalism kind of like the whole theory of the book i feel like this is like title screen (laughs) because that's that's what this is we must now try to sum up and put together what has been said above on the subject of imperialism imperialism emerged as the development and direct continuation of the fundamental attributes of capitalism in general but capitalism only became capitalist imperialism at a definite and very high stage of its development, when certain of its fundamental attributes began to be transformed into their opposites, when the feature of the period of transition from capitalism to a higher social and economic system began to take shape and reveal themselves all along the line. The fundamental economic factor in this process is the substitution of capitalist monopolies for capitalist free competition. Free competition is the fundamental attribute of capitalism and of commodity production, generally. Monopoly is exactly the opposite of free competition, but we have seen the latter being transformed into monopoly before our eyes, creating large-scale industry and eliminating small industry, replacing large-scale industry by still larger-scale industry, finally leading to such a concentration of production and capital that monopoly has been and is the result— cartels, syndicates, and trusts, and merging with them the capital of a dozen or so banks, manipulating thousands of millions. At the same time, Monopoly, which has grown out of free competition, does not abolish the latter, but exists alongside it and hovers over it. As it were, and as a result, gives rise to a number of very acute antagonisms, frictions, and conflicts. Monopoly is the transition from capitalism to a higher system. Hey guys, it's called Dialectics. (laughs) (laughs) Dialectics. <laughs> <laughs> Contradiction. It's, it's, uh, it, it, that is, that is the, that, I mean, he didn't say it. And I guess we're, again, it's still in the book where he wasn't allowed to exactly say, Marx, 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 Marx. Right. But, uh, that is, it, it, it's, it's contradictions. It's these, these things yeah. are coming to a head. There, there's a thesis, there's antithesis, and we need a synthesis. What's it going to be? I, I don't like that summarization of dialectics. I know. It was never it's never said. It's the Hegelian by Hegel or Marx. one. It's the Hegelian one. It's never said. But that is, That is the under that's that's the Hegelian version of it. Yeah, and it's it's what they based it it off of. It's what they they obviously improved upon it and made it better, um, and incorporated other aspects. But this is that that whole paragraph is, I mean, as much as we may not like it. He's, he's calling it out I mean he's making it that black and white you know oh, yeah. one leads to the other they clash and, and there's some important things here you know I mean he's talking about and this is something that's very recognizable than contradictions Monopoly kills free competition but that doesn't mean there's no other competition. It's not like you have a monopoly and there's no such thing as competitors. It's not like oh, uh, you know, Bank of America can't can't be a big bank monopoly. There's other banks, yeah. um, you know, or or Wells Fargo can't be because there's other banks. I mean, there's both of them, obviously. You know, that feels like contradiction. Or AT and T can't be the big phone company. You know, there. That doesn't Google, mean it's not a monopoly. Google and Facebook. I mean, again, yeah. Google Google is a Google is a monopoly. They are they are by Facebook all, is absolutely a monopoly. They're a monopoly. They let other things, other other things come and go. They still allow free competition. They need to allow free competition yeah. to allow this facade of of you can do it too. It Amazon, has to be. Yeah, exactly. And monopolies, monopolies not just one company exists. No, it's one company dominates over other companies so that there's no real competition. And one th- one and- company. At the end of the day, they could all come together and crush anything that actually got in their way. Yeah, and, it's and the the if it's thing good, it's they'll absorb it. It's the same thing with hegemony. We've talked about how Britain used to have a naval hegemony, mm-hmm. and World War One, a big part of it coming to head was as things started colonizing more. Germany wanted to fight that naval hegemony, you know, because Wilhelm's a blood, quantum blood, some <laughs> fucking okay. moron. But, you know, even now, right, the U.S. has an imperial hegemony. That doesn't mean France is an imperial power. It doesn't mean Great Britain still isn't an imperial power. That doesn't mean there can't be other imperial powers. But it's the U.S. and then everybody Everybody else. else. If it's someone and then everybody else and that someone realistically gets their way with everybody else when push comes to shove, that's a monopoly. That's hegemony. That's one big central power. If it were necessary to give the briefest definition possible of imperialism, we should have to say that imperialism is the monopoly stage of capitalism. Such a definition would include what is most important for, on the one hand, finance capital is the bank capital of the few big monopolist banks merged with the capital of the monopolist combines of manufacturers. And on the other hand, the division of the world is the transition from a colonial policy which has extended without hindrance to territories unoccupied by any capitalist power to a colony policy of the monopolistic possession of the territories of the world which have already been completely divided up. Yeah, and so in this case, a monopoly is colonial powers versus the subjugated powers, mm-hmm. and the colonial powers are centralizing. They're they're punching each other. They're punching each other out. You know, AT and T is trying to merger with T Mobile, <laughs> but with even more death. Yep. You know. Yep. 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 Again, that is the weirdest one. Is it that that we uh, we really just want four cell phone carriers? Someone somewhere decided four is the number because yeah. now. spread... the is- trust laws are being ripped apart, they've never really been pushed back on well in the government at all. They were mostly a facade anyway. We talked about that with Rockefeller. Oh my god, yes. And then at and T-Mobile, the two companies that essentially share technology... And there would be a big boon for the US because all of a sudden Deutsche Telekom is getting their American arms swallowed into the big American company. And that's that you can't have that one. That and, one's too much. And you and Sprint, Sprint and T-Mobile right now, was on the brink of going through, and they're like, nah, like 18 states are gonna sue them to stop them from doing. Like they won't, they just don't want three. Three is yeah. not three is no good. Four. But Four is the number. It's it's always a matter of what's what's a bridge too far. And yeah. the bridge is too far are always way out past anything reasonable. And the fact that it's just too far shows that people have no idea what the actual system is, which is exactly why we need these theories. But you, you see the same thing with foreign policy, right? If people don't see Yemen, you can genocide all day long. If people believe that it's a war of independence against a dictator Assad in, in Syria, you can partition it and balkanize it and steal all the oil all day long. Uh, if if you think people are just staying in Iraq to maintain the peace now because it's it's so you know uh, destabilized fine you know but people actually push back at the beginning on the Iraq war because that was a bridge too far yeah. you know people are pushing back a little bit against Iran and, and Iran hasn't been concentrated on and toppled yet partly because of Iran's great strength which is good. yes, yes. Uh, but also because that's a bridge too far uh, and also you know Venezuela part of the survival there— is that obviously it's it's under attack? It's under attack exactly like the seventy three Chilean coup. Oh. If this is this is carbon copy Pinochet, yes, big time. Uh, as well as it's also got and now I can't think of his name. the, the guy Trump appointed that does the the weapons and the humanitarian aid um, uh, part of the Iran Contra affair. Uh, oh oh, uh, not not Ollie North. No, he's doing the NRA no, thing. No no. Um, um. Oh fuck! What is his name? Shit. See what, what's He did the what, like, same fucking thing. Why did you do this to me, son of a bitch? It's the <laughs> same guy who did the same thing. God damn it. No, fuck. How are we this bad at this? Iran I Contra guy. Um. <laughs> guy. <laughs> Iran Contra guy. Who's Iran Contra guy? Um, oh, please. But say, anyway, it's, uh, Ollie, it's, 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 it, it was Oliver North, and it's, it, there's, there's... Yeah, but it's... Elliot Abrams! Elliot Abrams. It's a mix between rehashing Elliot Abrams' horrible genocide of, of the Mayans it, under the Contras and the 73 Chilean coup just mixed together. Yep. But it can't be the same kind of ground war. Maybe it can if they escalate it, but look how much work it takes to escalate and get a period behind it. Because when you do what you do in the Middle East to Latin America... You can have the genocide and contras just killing the indigenous people all you want. But that's it's it's subtle enough. It's not it's not explicit enough of a ground war. You can't have a Middle East style, explicit, bomb heavy ground war in Latin America. That's yeah. the bridge too far. People always have their bridge too far, right? Yeah. And and so monopolies are, are the same kind of way, right? The T Mobile and merging with somebody, oh that's a bridge too far. And thank God that Maduro and and the Venezuelans have learned from the Pinochet and learned from their examples and have learned how to effectively combat these tactics because look I mean if there's one thing we should do as socialists from previous socialist states that aren't lasting now obviously we should learn from the ones that are lasting now we should support each other and we should support you know any but But like from the USSR to Chile, it's not just defending them, which is vital because there's still lies that people believe about them. And it taxes on anyone, anyone radicalizing to socialism. It taxes on people understanding socialism properly. It taxes on people defending current countries. It's important to debunk these lies. But it's not just defending them. We've got to learn from them. We've got to analyze them. And you see that in real time with Venezuela. Venezuela is alive right now as a country because they learned from Chile. But very, back to Lenin. but very brief definitions, although convenient, for they sum up the main points, are nevertheless inadequate. And that really should be like the the whole goddamn, like <laughs> that might as well be the big, fuck, fuck from each according to their ability to each according to their needs. Uh, that, that one right there. Yeah, but. <laughs> brief <laughs> definitions are convenient, but they're inadequate. That should be the slogan for goddamn socialism, because <laughs> fuck if it's not true. Uh, Very important features of the phenomenon that has led to be defined have to be equally deduced. And so without forgetting the conditional and relative value of all definitions, which can never include all the contentations of a phenomenon in its complete development, we must give a definition of imperialism that will embrace the following five essential features. And here we get a fun list. The concentration of production and capital develop to such a stage that it creates monopolies which play a decisive role in economic life. Check. check. The merging of bank capital with industrial capital and the creation on the basis of finance capital of a financial oligarchy. A check. The export of capital, which has become extremely important as distinguished from the export of commodities. A check the formation of international capitalist monopolies which share the world among themselves. Check, check, check. The territorial division of the whole world among the great capitalist powers is completed. You've got your five. Let's go. It's almost like Lenin's good at editing himself because I'm really this have going, there's chapter one, there's chapter <laughs> two, there's <laughs> chapter three. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Marx needed angles to edit his ass down. Lenin did it all on himself. Lenin was a, was a one-man wrecking machine. <laughs> Imperialism... Is capitalism in that stage of development in which the domination of monopolies and finance capital has established itself, in which the export of capital has acquired pronounced importance, in which the division of the world among the international trusts has begun, in which the partition of all the territories of the globe among the great capitalist powers has been completed, We shall see later that imperialism can and must be defined differently if consideration is to be given, not only to basic, purely economic factors, to which the above definition is limited, but also to the historical place of this stage of capitalism in relation to capitalism in general, or to the relations between imperialism and the two main tendencies in the working class movement. Again, we are not just theory for theory's sake, History matters. Material conditions matter. you have to put things in material conditions. You have to, and you have to put it in context, which, again, I think should be the subtitle of this show, Putting Shit in Context. Marks Madness, Putting Shit in Context. The point to be noted just now is that imperialism, as interpreted above, undoubtedly represents a special stage in the development of capitalism. In order to enable the reader to obtain as well-grounded an idea of imperialism as possible, we deliberately quoted largely from bourgeois economists who are obliged to admit the particularly indisputable facts regarding modern capitalist economy. With the same object in view, we have produced detailed statistics which reveal the extent to which bank capital, etc. has developed, showing how the transformation of quantity into quality of developed capitalism into imperialism has expressed itself. Needless to say, all the boundaries in nature and in society are conditional and changeable, and consequently it would be absurd to discuss the exact year or decade in which imperialism definitely became established. In this matter of defining imperialism, however, we have to enter into controversy, primarily with (laughs) Karl Kautsky, the principal Marxian theoretician of the epoch of the so-called Second International. This is of the 25 years between 1889 and 1914. Kautsky, in 1915, and even in November 1914, decisively attacked the fundamental ideas expressed in our definition of imperialism. Kautsky said that imperialism must not be regarded as a phase or stage of economy, but as a policy, a definite policy preferred by finance capital. That imperialism cannot be identified with contemporary capitalism. That if imperialism is to be understood to mean all the phenomena of contemporary capitalism, cartels, protection, the hegemony of the financiers, and colonial policy then the question as to whether imperialism is necessary for capitalism becomes reduced to the flattest tautology. Because in that case, imperialism is naturally a vital necessity for capitalism, and so on. The best way to present Kautsky's ideas is to quote his own definition of imperialism, which is diametrically opposed to the substance of the ideas which we have set forth. For the objections coming from the camp of the German Marxists, who have been advocating such ideas for many years already, have long been known to Kautsky as the objections of a definite trend in Marxism. Kautsky's definition is as follows. Imperialism is a product of highly developed industrial capitalism. It consists in the striving of every industrial capitalist nation to bring under its control and to annex increasingly big agrarian Kautsky's italics, regions, irrespective of what nations inhabit those regions. This definition is utterly worthless. God damn it, I love you, Lenin. <laughs> God, I love you so much. Because it is one-sidedly, i.e. arbitrarily, brings out the national question alone. Although this is extremely important in itself as well, and in relation to imperialism. And God damn it, we are going to get to the national question. What are the, we are going to get back to Stalin and get to the national question. Mm-hmm. It's, um, a it, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. It arbitrarily and inaccurately connects imperialism only with industrial capital, in the countries with annex which annex other nations and an equally arbitrary and inaccurate manner brings out the annexation of agrarian regions again. The supposedly socialist policy wonky soaked at. I mean, it's it's Kautsky all over again without the revolutionary fervor. It's 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 ridiculous, and again, it's such an arbitrary. It's such a... It, it's so dumb. It sounds smart. It sounds really it, smart. Oh, my God. It always sounds so smart, though. It's, oh, it's it so... It sounds so goddamn smart if uh-huh. you don't know better. Exactly. Imperialism is a striving for annexations. This is what the political part of Kautsky's definition amounts to. It is correct, but very incomplete. For politically, imperialism is, in general, a striving towards violence and reaction. For the moment, however, we are interested in the economic aspect of the question, which Kautsky himself introduced in his definition. The inaccuracy of Kautsky's definition is obvious. (laughs) The characteristic feature of imperialism is not industrial capital, but finance capital. It is not an accident that in France it was precisely the extraordinarily rapid development of finance capital and the weakening of industrial capital that from 1880 onwards gave rise to the extreme extension of annexationist colonial policy. The characteristic feature of imperialism is precisely that it strives to annex not only agricultural regions, but even highly industrialized regions. The German appetite for Belgium, French appetite for Lorraine. Because one... The fact that the world is already partitioned obliges those contemplating a new partition to stretch out their hands to any kind of territory. If you're going to have World War 1, it's not just going to be, well, I would like the I would like Ukraine I, because it has farms. I want the farms. It's not I it's it, it, seriously, it's not, oh man, they grow great bread. Let's take Kansas, boys. <laughs> like that's not no, you're taking any land. It's the same thing. Although to be fair, it's also for the pineapple. It's, it's, al- always, it's always, always for the it's fucking pineapple. Fucking pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's back to the. It's back to what we were talking about just earlier in in this chapter, in the last chapter. When you go to when you go to cap- capital finance, capital just wants to own as much as possible. Mm. It does not care the nature of it. If it's agrarian, if it's just land, if it's any, it just wants to own as much as possible because it needs everything it can to exploit it sure has to sure there's there's a priority stuff they find more right sure. but the fact of the matter is they want as much as they can and the primary priority isn't the stuff that's most ripe. the primary priority is the stuff that's easiest to acquire it's not like france is gonna sit there and go oh well i mean vietnam doesn't have any agriculture so i guess we're not gonna colonize it guys move on move on not colonizing this one no farms here guys no farms <laughs> we gotta go find one with farms Hey! You want to plant crops in a jungle? What the? In a jungle? What's wrong with you people? Like, it's not like if someone came up to Japan today and and had an opportunity to to take if someone was presented with the opportunity to to colonize Japan, they'd be like, "Well, shit." I mean, I, they've got. I mean, there's. Can you fit a farm in there? Look at all the. There's no farms in here. The the. The DPRK is 17% arable land, which we've cited to show how incredible they are at providing their people. Yes. But also shows how absurd it is that it would have to be ripe for something for the United States to win it. The United States is very, very obviously trying to colonize the other half of Korea, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's on its sleeve. It's the most obvious thing Imagine. And I mean, look at look at what we talk about now. What is the most common thing that we that we I mean, if you want to just completely fuck Kowski right in the face right now? What is the thing that we colonize for the most right now? What is imperialism's biggest target right now? Oil. Oil. I, I'm not planting oil farms, boys. I'm not growing oil trees. It it's resources. It's whatever resources they can get. If it's factories, Fuck yeah! I can use me some factories. It's whatever is there. It's just it's whatever. Google wants Google wants ocean territory for laying fiber lines. They've yeah. laid fiber lines all over the oceans. It's, you you try to cut off Google's fiber lines and say no that that doesn't belong to you. That belongs to the Philippines. You think Google's gonna be okay with that? No, no. They're gonna they're gonna make sure you get your shit by. They're gonna go over to their little partnership with Blackwater for the drone AI and go hey or Academy. It's Academy now and go hey why, why don't you go uh. Why don't you go bomb everybody, you know, Duterte says to bomb so that you don't have any socialists over there. You know, I mean, everything they can find. It's it's so, and it's why, again, it's why simple little pithy uh, answers are not the answer. There's a reason capital is 900 pages long and it's one volume there's a reason there are volume that there is so much we're not reading theory because we're we're just bored and we need something to read it's because there is so much that you have to understand to get a clear picture of what you're fighting and how the world actually works. It's important to understand the theory enough to be able to explain it in five minutes because that can help keep it in the front of your head and that can help you in casual conversations, kind of working it out there to other people. But it's it's just as important, if not more, to know the nitty-gritty, to know that that five-minute explanation is never in-depth enough. And the people that offer those five-minute explanations are grifting you, almost always. They're yeah. always... Vox, so, Vox explainer videos? Go get fucked. Go, go get you go get fucked in two minutes. Economic, eh, the Economist, a little two minutes. I'm gonna explain China in two minutes. Fuck off. No, you're not. Yeah, which is to say they're all definitely grifting. I mean, sometimes there's a Fred Hampton out there, or sometimes you're having a conversation someone's going to summarize. But But Fred, usually... usually, Hold on a goddamn second. Fred Hampton had a list of books you had to read before you could fucking be a member of the... He might try and explain something in five minutes, but you still couldn't even join the party without reading a giant list of books. But that's the thing. He didn't assume you understood in five minutes. He just got you going down the path in five minutes. The people that gave you a final answer in five minutes, they're lying to you. They are lying to you, yes. And Kautsky was the king. Oh, yeah. And two, because of essential feature of imperialism is the rivalry between a number of great powers in the striving for hegemony, i.e. for the conquest of territory, not so much directly for themselves as to weaken the adversary and undermine his hegemony. Belgium is chiefly necessary for Germany as a base for operations against England. England needs Baghdad as a base of operations against Germany, etc., Kautsky refers especially and repeatedly to English writers, who he alleges have given a purely political meaning to the word imperialism, in the sense that Kautsky understands it. We take up the work by the Englishman Hobson, imperialism. There are a lot of books about imperialism in the 1900s, guys. It was a fuckload of books about this. Big, big subject. Solid subject, which appeared in 1902, and therein we read... The new imperialism differs from the older, first, in substituting for the ambition of a single growing empire, the theory and the practice of competing empires, each motivated by similar lusts of political aggrandizement and commercial gain. Secondly, in the dominance of financial or investing over mercantile interests. We see, therefore, that Kautsky is absolutely wrong in referring to English writers generally, unless he meant the vulgar British imperialist writers or avowed apologists for imperialism, We see that Kautsky, while claiming that he continues to defend Marxism as a matter of fact, takes a step backward compared with the social liberal Hobson, who more correctly takes into account two historically concrete, Kautsky's definition is a mockery of historical concreteness, features of modern imperialism. One the competition between several imperialists, and two, the predominance of the financier over the merchant. If it were chiefly a question of the annexation of agrarian countries by industrial countries, the role of the merchant would be predominant. Yeah, now that's, again, important, right? This isn't like France goes, Oh, hey, this uh, uh, this section of IED is isn't colonized yet. Let's make Haiti on this side and, and leave that side to, to Spain. Yeah. This is... I want, I want the Balkan states over here in Austria-Hungary. Russia wants to protect the Balkan states. Now we're fighting. Yep. I want Morocco because I think I have blood quantum ships. <laughs> you have Morocco. <laughs> Let's fucking fight about it. You know, I mean, that's, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, shit. But Kautsky's definition is not only wrong and unmarxian. marxian It serves as a basis for a whole system of views which run counter to Marxian theory and Marxian practice all along the line. We shall refer to this again later. The argument about words which Kautsky raises, whether the latest stage of capitalism should be called imperialism or the stage of finance capital, is of no importance. Call it what you will, it matters little. The important fact is that Kautsky detaches the politics of imperialism from its economics, speaks of annexations as being a policy preferred by finance capital, and opposes to it another bourgeois policy, which he alleges is possible on this very basis of finance capital. To his argument, monopolies in economics are compatible with non-monopolistic, non-violent, non-annexationist methods in practice. According to his argument, the territorial division of the world, which was completed precisely during the period of finance capital, and which constitutes the basis of the present peculiarities of the form of rivalry between the big capitalist states, is compatible with non-imperialist policy. The, revolt, the result is a slurring over and a blunting of the most profound contradictions of the latest stages of capitalism, instead of an exposure of their depth. The result is bourgeois reformism instead of Marxism. Again, sock thems. Yeah. Sock dems, sock dems, sock them, sock them, sock All thems. day long. All day long. Oh, we just need, we need kinder, gentler capitalism. We we need someone who's smarter. We need a, someone who cares about your health care. Kautsky enters into controversy with the German apologist of imperialism and annexations, Kuno, who clumsily and cynically argues as follows. Imperialism is modern capitalism. The development of capitalism is inevitable and progressive. Therefore, imperialism is progressive. Therefore, we should bow down before it and chant its praises. This is something like the caricature of Russian Marxism, which Nadrunki, that's not how you say his name, Narunki, Drew, in 1894-95, they used to argue as follows, if the Marxists believe that capitalism is inevitable in Russia, that it is progressive, then they ought to open a public house and begin to implement capitalism. Kautsky's reply to Kuno is as follows, imperialism is not modern capitalism, it is only one of the forms of policy of modern capitalism, the policy we can and should fight, we can and should fight against imperialism, annexations, etc. I... That should, other than the great letter Bridge. so good. And that's it's not even so what I'm going back for, as much as I love that. That last little mocked Kautsky conversation, which, I mean, obviously is Lenin just summarizing Kautsky's works in, in, a, in a mockish fashion because they suck. It should make you think of, it, just the tone of it and the pattern of it makes me think of Oh yeah, well if, if you like socialism so much, uh, why don't why don't you move to Venezuela? Why don't you move to China? Uh well uh, that's not actually socialism, that's authoritarianism. I like Sweden. You have an you have an iPhone. <laughs> I'm yeah, a smart right. man, I live in society. That's, that's exactly how it's just uh, it's Kautsky's so dumb. So and dumb. he's so twenty nineteen. Kautsky is uh, Kowski. resurrect Kautsky and he is the twenty twenty Democratic front runner. I swear to Christ. I'm not convinced. 100%. I am not convinced that Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden do not have, like, Kautsky somewhere in their lineage. Like, he must be their great-grand, great-great-granddaddy or something like that. It's, It's so goddamn... The reply seems quite plausible. But in effect, it is a more subtle and more disguised and therefore more dangerous form of propaganda of conciliation with imperialism. For unless it strikes at the economic basis of the trusts and the banks, the struggle against the policy of the trusts and banks reduces itself to bourgeois reformism and pacifism, to an innocent and benevolent expression of pious hopes. Guys, the I'm Democratic Party, one. it's so, it's so right there. God, you, it, just, you just need the people, someone who's presidential in control. It, it is, it is literally just... it. You need to be more, you need to be more scared of butt chug than Trump because at least Trump is honest about what he's doing and you know what it is and you can fight it. When you, when you paper it over with this fucking veneer of, 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 but we're going to do it better and this is good and this is, it, it all leads to the same shit and it's more, Barack Obama was not good. No, he, he said he said all the right things to get people to think that this everything was OK and then promptly fucked everything for eight years. Yeah. You, you cannot just take fancy words and think that that's going to make everything OK. Yeah. Trump is uh, De Beer's boy. And yes, Trump is Cecil Rhodes. Cecil Rhodes. He leads a very yes. We must. Yeah, let's go kill them all because I need my money. God damn it! Right, right. I need. I need my. They're blood diamonds. That's fine. Yeah. Let's go get the blood. Right. That's Trump. That it doesn't. It doesn't make it better. No. To say you know uh, the the African people need us to free them from the oppressors coincidentally right where these diamond mines are coincidentally making them mine them for us. It- like, like, it's just more veiled, but it's the same thing. It's just yeah. it's, they're just better liars. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you said we should be more scared of and not better or worse. People start putting value statements in there. And no, I, I don't it's, want someone more explicitly right wing to ever be told it's better. It's like, ah, but no. the value statements are useless. Better or worse either way doesn't matter. No. You should be scared of people being lulled to sleep. Yes, because that's what it is, because we get Trump out of Ob- Obama, leads to Trump. Yeah. You elect Butchug or Biden or any of these other guys, the reaction. So you're going to lull to sleep again. You're going to let this nationalism, this white supremacy ain't going away. All of this is going to fester for a little bit longer. And then, Oh fuck. What if you got a guy? What if you got one of these nationalists that wasn't brain dead like Trump is and could actually implement these policies in a good way? Mm-hmm. Like they want, Holy shit, that should terrify you. Sounds like he has smart solutions for America's gun problem. It, 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 that should terrify you. Yeah. One of these guys that actually knows what they're doing. Uh, oh, my God. It's yeah, I mean, and even, even continuing on the, pro, the, the path of Trump, Mike Pence is a horrible, horrible anti-LGBT fascist monster. Look at... But it, he's exactly what Democrats would call presidential. Yep. Yeah, look, Missouri... Take our take our fun home state. We kicked out Eric Greitens, that fucking yeah. obviously blatant fascist. And, oh, well, he's gone. Everything's fine, guys. Everything's For fine. For Josh, we don't need to draw parallels to Nixon because that was in the past howling. No, no, no. We kicked out Greitens. For Mike Parsons, oh. the guy who just very, very, very passionately signed one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the country. Yeah, it's all better because he's not on TV with his gun and, and very proudly being a fascist. No, he's but he's actually getting his policies passed because yeah. people aren't paying attention. Yeah. People get lulled to sleep when the big crazy guy isn't out there saying we should nuke everybody. God damn it. Kautsky's theory means refraining from mentioning existing contradictions, forgetting the most important of them, instead of reveling in them in their full depth. It is a theory that has nothing in common with Marxism. Naturally, such a theory can only serve the purpose of advocating unity with, with the kunos. Kautsky writes that from a, the purely economic point of view, it is not impossible that capitalism will yet go through a new phase. That of the extension of the policy of the cartels to foreign policy. The phase of... Bah, bah, bah ultra imperialism (laughs) i.e. of a super imperialism a union of world imperialism and not struggles among imperialisms a phase when wars shall cease under capitalism a phase of the joint exploitation of the world by internationally united finance capital we shall have to deal with this theory of ultra imperialism later on in order to show how definitely and utterly it departs from marxism again it, it I don't understand how Kautsky was able to If you if you form the Imperialisms together, like two are legs, two are arms, one's a sword. Yes, we and have then Mega re- Imperial. We have Imperial Voltron. And then and then you get I was thinking more Power Rangers, because then you get the Brachiosaurus coming out in the last episode, and they mesh with that and the Dragon Imperialism and their Ultra imperialism. Speaking of which, you know in some of the new, in one of the new Power Ranger reboots, they brought back Tommy, they brought Green Ranger Boy back as like the old. Old wizened mentor oh of the new god. ones. Oh my god, it's so good. Like you can tell he's just staring into the camera, going, I need a paycheck right now, guys. Let's go. <laughs> yes, I'm back. I have run out of residuals. Let's do this. Oh, my son was watching the other day. It was the best thing ever. I was so I was like crying. I was so I was so <laughs> laughing. Oh man. Ugh. In keeping with the plan of the present work, we shall examine the exact economic data on this question. Is ultra-imperialism possible from the purely economic point of view, or is it ultra-nonsense? <laughs> God damn it, Mark. God damn it, Lenin. Holy shit. Oh, that's, that, that's good. Mm-hmm. If by purely economic point of view a pure abstraction is meant, then all that can be said reduces itself to the following proposition. Evolution is proceeding towards monopoly, Therefore, the trend is towards a single world monopoly, to a universal trust. This is indisputable, but it is also completely devoid of meaning, as is the statement that evolution is proceeding towards the manufacture of foodstuffs in laboratories. In this sense, the theory of ultra-imperialism is no less absurd than a theory of ultra-agriculture would be if one were suggested. I, I highlighted that because I'm kind of interested. Oh, man, Is this where Cuba got the idea for vertical farms? I was about <laughs> to say! Did, 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 did Fidel look at this and go... Fuck you, Lennon. I can do ultra agriculture. I'm going to do that. Let's do that. I can make this happen. We can make, well, let's make some meat. Let's let's make impossible burgers and shit like that. We don't need Cali. I think they just took that as a challenge because that may be one of those times Lenin was wrong. We may get ultra agriculture, guys. Now, the trick is we will not get ultra agriculture under capitalism no. that actually benefits the masses. It will just be a new way for them to make. No, vertical carbon, as I said, vertical farming came from Cuba. Yeah and cu- and when done under socialism it solves the actual problem. Oh yeah. If you do it under capitalism, you get the impossible whopper and you get to charge $4 more for your hamburger because mm-hmm. it's it's, it's cage free made in a laboratory and that makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. That's and then all and the then the rich it, people care even less about global war. And then you get another company that you can invest in and get up subsumed underneath and everything's yeah. great. Did you did you hear about what are they trying to call carbon dioxide now? Freedom? Freedom? Minerals? No, no. It's like, yeah, carbon dioxide is like freedom minerals. Jesus fucking Christ. It's freedom fries, but for Um, they're, they're, real, they're running out of ideas. Yeah. It's getting bad. If, on the other hand, we are discussing the purely economic conditions of the epoch of finance capital as a historically concrete epoch in the 20th century, the best reply that one can make to lifeless abstractions of ultra-imperialism, which serve as an exclusive very exclusively reactionary aim... The, that the condition of diverting attention from the death of existing antagonisms is to contrast them with the concrete economic realities of the present day world economy. Kautsky's meaningless talk about ultra-imperialism encourages among other things that profoundly mistaken idea which only brings grist to the mill of the apologist of imperialism that the domination of finance capital lessens the unevenness of the contradictions inherent in the world economy whereas in reality it increases them. When you create this far but guys there's mega imperialism coming Mm -hmm. so the imperialism we're doing now isn't that bad because it's not mega imperialism which we could do later on at some point It, it just makes you stop looking around and going no, this is fucked. Yeah. It's fucked right now. I don't give a shit if ultra fucked is worse. We're fucked right now. Let's fix that. Well, I mean, then there's also kind of a thing of like, you know, what if Trump gets in charge of the nukes? We, we have a problem, you know, and that was the thing that... We're already the only country that's ever dropped nukes on fucking people. We're already founded on genociding tens of millions of people, and then if you somehow don't consider slavery genocide, uh, enslaving millions of people on top of that. Yeah, it's it's you know it, it, it is a it is a tool that you use to distract from the from the here and now from the actual contradictions from the actual material conditions that you're living in by creating mm. these fantasy future conditions that could be worse so let's fight those conditions within the current system it's mm. reformist 101 it is it is reformist 101 yeah Oh yeah. so we're gonna skip the next cha- uh next paragraph because it's uh it's a stats and charts it's a thing with the stats and charts and i fucking hate those <laughs> um and they're absolutely none just unnecessary for what we're gonna do So we notice three areas of highly developed capitalism. That is with a high development of means of transport, of trade, and of industry. These are the Central European, the British, and the American areas. Among these are three states which dominate the world. Germany, Great Britain, the United States—imperialist rivalry and the struggle between these countries have become very keen because Germany has only a restricted area and few colonies. The creation of "quote unquote" Central Europe is still a matter for the future. It is being born in the midst of desperate struggles. World War One. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Germany had a restricted area and few colonies. It didn't have it, its options. If it wanted to compete, were take more by war that was the options you gave them they took them this is what happens under capitalism for the moment the distinctive feature of Europe is political disintegration in the British and American areas on the other hand political concentration is very highly developed but there's a tremendous disparity between the immense colonies of the one and the insignificant colonies of the other in the colonies capitalism is only beginning to develop the struggle for South America is becoming more and more acute These are two areas where capitalism is not... There are two areas where capitalism is not strongly developed. Russia and Eastern Asia. And that trend continued for a long time. In the former, the density of population is very small. In the latter, it is very high. In the former, political concentration is very high. The czars. In the latter, it does not exist. The partition of China is only beginning, and the struggle between Japan, the USA, etc., in connection therewith is steadily gaining in intensity. This is before, uh, right before uh, our, our good friends Mao uh, gets, to, yeah. gets to show up on the yeah, scene. Yeah, this is back the the oppression China and Korea under Imperial Japan and under the fights of imperialism. The 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 slaughters the whole, that they had to endure were unreal. Yeah. Unreal. They intentionally kept China. They, the, the the whole goal of the West was to keep China ununified because they knew what would happen if you unified China. Mm-hmm. It was... it was, Oh, yeah. World's largest population. Yeah. They had been colonized very brutally by Japan and the West for a long, long time. Long, long. They would have a lot of nationalistic fervors. And, you know, even now, China's a very, very diverse area. Yeah. Right? Because it's very, very large. Yeah. Uh, but even if you just take the Han population overall, you'd have the biggest population in the, the world, world. Even more than India. Yeah, it's it's it's, and again, that obviously this this obviously has changed since Lenin wrote it. It's not. Oh, but, yeah, it, but it, it but it was the conditions at the time. Well, yeah, and again, historical of context very it, important. Exactly. Compare this reality, the vast diversity of economic and political conditions, the extreme disparity in the rate of development of the various countries, and the violent struggles of the imperialist states with Kautsky's stupid little fable (laughs) about peaceful ultra-imperialism. Is this not the reactionary attempt of a frightened Philistine to hide from stern reality? Do not the international cartels which Kautsky imagines are the embryos of ultra-imperialism with as much reason as one would have for describing the manufacture of tabloids in a laboratory as ultra-agriculture and embryo present an example of the division and the re-division of the world. The transition from peaceful division to violent division and vice versa. Is not American and other finance capital which divide the whole world peacefully with Germany's participation, for example, in the International Rail Syndicate or the International Mercantile Shipping Trust, now engaged in redefining, redividing the world on the basis of a new relation of forces, which has been changed by methods by no means peaceful? (laughs) How, how do you say the trench warfare with mustard gas is peaceful, you dumbass? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's... Finance capital and the trusts are aggravating instead of diminishing the differences in the rate of the development of the various parts of the world economy. When the relation of forces is very highly developed, but there is a tremendous disparity, contradictions be found, except by resorting to violence. I've read it twice. I'm just going to keep going now. Because <laughs> that didn't make any more sense the second time around. But yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's going to happen by violence. My edit may be bad. I don't know. Run with me, guys. Railway statistics provide remarkably exact data on the different rates of development of capitalism and finance capital in world economy. In the last decades of imperialist development, the total length of railways expressed in thousands of kilometers has changed as follows. It got bigger in some places, it got smaller in others. (laughs) Thus, the development of railways have been more rapid in the colonies and in the independent or semi-independent states of Asia and America. Here, as we know, the finance capital of the four or five biggest capitalist states remains undisputed. Two hundred thousand kilometers of new railways in the colonies and in other areas, in other countries of Asia and America, represent more than forty billion marks in capital newly invested under particularly advantageous conditions, with special guarantees of a good return and with profitable orders for steelworks, etc., etc. Capitalism is growing with the greatest rapidity in the colonies and in the transoceanic countries. Among the latter, new imperialist powers are emerging: Japan. The struggle of world imperialism is becoming aggravated. The tribute levied by finance capital on the most profitable colonies and transoceanic enterprises is increasing. And sharing out this booty, an exceptionally large part goes to countries which, as far as the development of productive forces is concerned, do not always stand at the top of the list. In the case of the biggest countries considered with their colonies, the total length of railways was as follows. USA has the most, British has the next, and then Russia, Germany, France. Thus, about 80% of the total existing railways are concentrated in the hands of the five great powers. But the concentration of the ownership of these railways, that of finance capital, is much greater still. French and English millionaires, for example, own an enormous amount of stocks and bonds in American, Russian, and other railways. Again, that that you know that dispersed ownership, that mm-hmm. just because my company doesn't own it, if I'm, I'm on the board of other companies and they by extension, own it. I still have interest in it, and I still have my hands in it. Thanks to her colonies, Great Britain has increased her length of railways by 100,000 kilometers, four times as much as Germany. And yet, it is well known that the development of productive forces in Germany, and especially the development of the coal and iron industries, has been much more rapid during this period than in England, not to mention France and Russia. In 1892, Germany produced 4,900,000 tons of pig iron and Great Britain produced 6,800,000 tons. In 1912, Germany produced 17,600,000 tons and Great Britain 9 million tons. Germany, therefore, had an overwhelming superiority over Germany in this in England over this respect. If imperialism was based on your manufacturing or Germany would be leading the way. They would be the most imperialist of anybody. Oh, yeah. But they're, they're most not manufacturing. It's finance. It's finance mm-hmm. capital. We ask, therefore, is there under capitalism any means of remedying the disparity between the development of productive forces and the accumulation of capital on the one side and the division of colonies and spheres of influence by finance capital on the other side? Other than by resorting. Hey guys, I wonder what chapter eight's going to be about. <laughs> Speaking of chapter eight, it's coming to you next week. Because yes. we are done. We are done. That was chapter 7. Chapter 7. Uh we will be back as always same Mark's time, same Mark's place. Uh here here on Mark's madness. We will see you next Wednesday. Bye.